This is episode 22 with Carmony Wood. Welcome to the Bold and Brave podcast. I'm your host, Hope, motivational writer and adult psychologist. And I'm here to remind you that the power lies within you, that your belief system is up to you. And once we listen to what our heart center truly desires, together we discover Bold and Brave. Each week, I bring you experts from around the world where we move into what it now feels like to reframe our thoughts and patterns that disserve us and hold us back from achieving what truly lies within. If you want to listen to my episodes first before I release them anywhere else, you have to head to my Instagram page, Bold and Brave with Hope Devaney. Click on the link on my bio and then you can download your episode. And anyone who would like to leave me a review of the week, I would be so grateful and excited to receive that from you. And I would love to gift you with my Manifesting with Hope meditation guide. Or if you'd prefer to get your hands on a copy of my new daily mantra, I would love to give that to you too. Carmony Wood international best-selling author, certified life coach for teens and adults, board certified through the American Association of Drugless Practitioners as founder and CEO of Live Joy Your Way and the Authentic Me Rise Up program. Carmony Wood works with high achievers on letting go of the stress, overwhelm and anxiety that comes with trying to do everything and trying to do it all perfectly. Carmony helps remind us of our uniqueness and that it is a gift to the world as she guides us on a journey back towards inner confidence, reduced stress and into empowerment. Today, Carmony's work involves helping people deal with the stress and anxiety in uncertain times, in trying to do it all and trying to do it all right. Carmony also works with people and speaks on codependency and the toxic relationships when trying to live up to those external measurements. Carmony's purpose is to make sure that these topics are brought out of the shadows and into the light so people can heal and grow. Today, we chat about the struggle of pleasing others and getting our own needs met too. Going from self-transformations to now speaking on and working one-on-one with people and how to move from external expectations and validation hostage into a resilient self-leader and much, much more. So without further ado, please help me welcome this very special guest, Kamini Wood. Before we dive in, beautiful lady, what's your go-to order at your favorite hometown restaurant? What's my favorite go-to order? Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> I have so many go-to orders. <laughs> That's good. I'm going to say that my go-to order is probably a what's called a tiger cookie at a local cafe here. <laughs> nice. Tiger cookie. Yes. It's like half chocolate chip, half brownie with yeah, some, I don't know. It's just, it's all encompassing in one. <laughs> well, I just wanted to ask you that. Like, what's, what's inside of it? Yeah, it's like half chocolate chip, half brownie. So it's called a tiger cookie. And it's oh, like, I'm there. I don't know. It is like just the best thing to just sort of zone out and <laughs> <Yeah>, enjoy. <laughs> enjoy. 
<laughs> Wonderful. Now, you have a beautiful heartfelt story about how you got into helping people heal and grow. Can you take us back to where this journey began for you? Yeah. So <clears throat> the backstory for me is growing up in a small town in Connecticut, you know, with a name like Comedy. My parents were immigrants as first generation American. And the small town in Connecticut was not very diverse. And so I felt like I stuck out, you know, again, especially with the name like Comedy, it's, it's not an, it's not a normal, quote unquote, normal name. So from a very early age, there was this covert message that I had somewhat acquired that I had to somehow find a way to fit in or find a way to, you know, not rock the boat, so to speak, but to be, um, you know, kind of part of the crowd and not really stick out. And so I took on that people pleasing personality where it was please others so that they like you, right? And that you get their validation. And so that's where it started for me in terms of like that need for external validation. And then of course, I mean, I am a type, I'm a perfectionist personality. And I do think that, you know, people's personalities do play into just how their thought patterns and belief systems will, will, you know, grow and how they end up formulating those patterns. And so from the perfectionism and the people pleasing, it was all about, um, you know, defining myself by either the roles I was playing or avoiding conflict, not really setting up any boundaries so that I was responsible for other people's happiness. And mm. truthfully for me, it was being a mom and watching my children start people pleasing and start defining their worth by those external forces. That was the huge wake up call and the shift for me that said, Oh my word, if I don't change this and I don't go through my own self transformation, the, my kids are going to repeat that. And then it'll keep repeating for generations until somebody wakes up and says no more. And so I did go through that self transformation and I did go through the, the self growth and, and honestly, self growth is an ever evolving uh, a thing, right? So it's not like you ever get there and you're like, oh yeah, I'm done growing. So, I mean, I'm still growing every day and every, every time that I have um, an experience, like there's something to, to be learned from it. But that was my catalyst moment where I shifted and I realized going through that process that there are other people who are dealing with the same issues where it's the people pleasing and it's the high achieving and it's the constant need for that external validation or living up to those expectations or feeling like they're not good enough or that, you know, they're, they're just going to have to be alone because they're not good enough. And just, I was called, I mean, truthfully just felt called to say, okay, let me now take what I've learned and what I've experienced and let me now pay it forward and help others so that they can make the shifts that they, mm. Mm. they can see what's possible for themselves. Absolutely. And it's, it's so important. It's so important because it's very interesting how when we're focusing externally on how we can please others, how much of ourselves that we forget that, you know, what we need for ourselves is forgotten. How, how old are your children now? So I actually have five. Uh, my youngest is six and my oldest is 18. So I have three girls and two boys. Wow. Um, yeah, so I have a six-year-old, an 11-year-old, 14, 16, and 18. Wow. 
five children. That is beautiful. How, how amazing is that to be gifted with five beautiful babies? It's the greatest gift that I have ever been given, for sure, 100%. <laughs> so you, you've shared so many powerful things with us so far. I would, I would love to give you a little bit of background on me. So being an empath myself, I can absolutely relate to your story so well because I used to also be a people-pleaser person myself. And to this day, I, I still catch myself from time to time. You know, I would always worry about, you know, what I hadn't done for someone, if it was enough, whether that was a family member, a friend, a boyfriend. I wanted to fix everyone's problems, basically. And I wasn't always asking myself how the other person was going to feel if I made the decision that was best for myself first. So once I recognized the way that I was showing up, I could then connect the dots and track it back to see where that learnt behavior for me came from and how I carried it into my adulthood. In your story, you mention that you saw people-pleasing tendencies in your children. Can you take us through what you realized during those moments? So for my kids especially, I was watching them start to be overly concerned with the happiness of others. And mm. so, and I don't mean that to be in a negative because yes, we, we want people to be happy, but what it became was they felt responsible for others' happiness. And it really was this wake-up call that there truthfully is this distinction between contributing to somebody's happiness and being responsible for their happiness. And what happens when we take on the responsibility for someone else's happiness or the, the, I, the need to fix all the things or control all the things, we've, we aren't honoring our own boundaries. And so we end up, you know, taking on things that aren't really truthfully our business. And I don't mean to say that in like this negative light, but, you know, we need to allow each of us as individuals be in charge of and have the choices of what makes us happy. And so when we are people pleasing and we take on the responsibility for other people's happiness, we're not actually allowing them the space to, you know, choose what makes them happy. But in terms of my kids, I was watching them do this with friends and family where, you know, they, they were starting to define their worth too by these external forces. And it's, it was just this moment of clarity for me that they weren't, that was somewhat learned behavior and somewhat covert messaging from how I was showing up. And so I needed to shift. I needed to shift and show up in a different way. And, and it's not to say that, you know, I have to give up my perfectionism or give up my people pleasing, but there's ways to show up as your authentic self without taking it to an extreme. Right. So like I'm still a perfectionist and I still call myself a people pleaser, but with boundaries in terms of recognizing I will be responsible for how I contribute to somebody's happiness, but I will not take on their responsibility for their happiness. Just as I will show up in a way that um, respects other people, but I'm no longer going to take responsibility for a negative reaction to something I say, as long as I'm coming in with the intention of authentically showing up and I'm not coming in with any type of intention to harm or hurt. Mm, I love those choice of words that you use to 
when when you say that you set up boundaries for yourself boundaries is such a powerful and important word and i think for some people it can be quite a scary word because as soon as we think boundaries we think we have to block people out or or separate ourselves and move away from but it's it's truly just a way to be able to acknowledge yourself and like you said still be able to give to to our loved ones and and the people around us but we also must at the same time make sure that we are giving to ourselves and being truthful to what we need for ourselves as well yeah so, it, um it just yeah. as a quick analogy the analogy yeah. i use with my clients for boundaries it's a fence not a wall you know because you can mm -hmm. still pass things back and forth through a fence <laughs> you're not putting up a wall to barricade yourself but you are saying this is mine this is yours in terms of owning you know emotions for instance or owning feelings owning choices that type of thing mm, mm, yeah very important now how do i pronounce your name i need to say it three times before it settles in it's a beautiful name but for some reason i can't wrap my pronunciation around it it's pronounced comedy Harmony. Yes. So generally speaking, I tell people to think of the word harmony or calm, and either one of those will help with the first syllable there. So it's comedy. How beautiful is that? Harmony or calm? Harmony. See, <laughs> and just like that, I've got it. <laughs> so you're a mother of five, which we've which we've discussed. And fast forward, you used to work full time as a certified project manager while your husband went to law school. Then, upon your husband's graduation, you and your family moved to North Carolina so your husband could, of course, open his own practice, which you were in full support of, and you were more than happy to to go on that journey together. You did mention in your story that during, during that time of helping the business to grow, you did feel like something was off and you felt like this need to learn how to self-validate instead of looking externally. Can you explain to us what external factors defined your happiness at that time? Yeah. So it's so interesting that, you know, it, it, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? And so, and when we're looking back, we're like, oh gosh, why didn't I see that before? But there was this internal indicator that something was off. And what I mean by that is, you know, the validation of, of being a good mom had to come from other sources. You know, other people were telling me, oh, you're such a great mom. And then that would be the validation I needed versus just intrinsically knowing I'm showing up wholeheartedly for my children. And that in and of itself makes me a good mom, for instance. But also just in terms of when I was running his practice, you know, there was so many accolades that came with, oh my gosh, you're such a great wife because look at you supporting your husband. Again, external validation of being a good wife versus just knowing that when I show up and I'm you know, in support of him and I am um, there to be there emotionally also was enough. I, I, that was, that was where my validation could have come from, but yet I was kept looking for these external sources to say, oh, you know, you're doing all the, the right things. And so as, and this was in conjunction, so this happened simultaneously with my oldest ones becoming teenagers and starting to show those people-pleasing tendencies. So 
mm. you know, enter in catalyst moment, right? <laughs> yes. And that's when the, the, the work on self and I started the work on self and the awareness. And I often say that awareness is that doorway to change. And when you're in that doorway, then you get to decide if you're going to walk through or not. And that's exactly where I was. And that is when I walked through that doorway to say, I'm going to go ahead and make some shifts. I'm going to shift the mindset. I'm going to, you know, change some behavior patterns. And while it doesn't mean that I suddenly don't support my husband or, you know, didn't want his business to grow, what it meant was it's okay for me to work on something that I'm heart centered and driven and drawn to do. And it doesn't make me any less of a wife or any less of a mom um, because I'm internally now gauging, you know, I'm internally gauging my worth and, and what my like core gifts are and using those. And I think when we can drive into those and really hone into those core gifts and our core values, and we know that we're living to those, we let go of those external, those external validations. Mm. And how beautiful was it too that you you were able to recognize that external validation and how it wasn't in alignment with what your true core desires and 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 what you felt like your your purpose here was that you were able to recognize that and then start doing the work from there. And for those those of um, our guests that are listening now, um, even if you haven't had an experience like this before, or you may think, ah, I don't really people please you know think about the things that you that you're learning from this even if you haven't had the you know the direct experience or or had that moment yet there's always a time that you're going to have that shift where you recognize that and it might it might begin by having a feeling of something doesn't feel right or it's not in alignment or it feels uncomfortable or it doesn't sit right. And they're the times that you can give back to yourself to really check in and listen to whether you are going with what your heart desires or if you're leaning more towards feeling like you need to go into somebody else's heart space in order to receive that validation. So what are, what are some of the things in your course which everyone should check out? And I'll leave all the information in the show notes as well for our, for our guests. But what things do you cover in your course that people can all start to do now? And, that, and, and is it for men as well? Yes. I mean, I, so I work with both men and women. Um, I do feel that sometimes men get a bad rap, right? In terms of, do they have these same issues? And of course they do. <laughs> men can be high achievers just like women. <laughs> um, my course is based on, it's called Rise Up. And it's based on the, the following things. One is revealing that old story. Again, going back to awareness. You can't really shift if you haven't fully revealed you know, that story. Then mm. it's inner work you know, let's really dive deep into figure out belief patterns and thought patterns and self-awareness. That's what the S is for. Then it's elements of change. So there's a lot of tools as well as, um, so when we work one-on-one, -on -one, we really dive into it. The course is definitely the, um, the lead in, in terms of, you know, doing this on your own versus working one-on-one -on -one where we can really dive in and, and get into the nitty gritty of it all. But E is for the elements of, uh, and the tools of, of making that shift. The U is for unlearning, right? How do we unlearn some of the things that no longer serve us? And it's not so much, you know, it, you don't ever, you can't really ever unlearn the things that you now know, but you certainly can let go of them. 
let go of them and, and move beyond what it is that, that they were doing for you. And then P is program, programming this new story. Now that we've figured out, you know, we've revealed it, we've done the inner work, we've done the self-awareness, we've got the elements, we've unlearned the stuff that doesn't work for us. Now let's program it and let's write ourselves a new story. And so all of those encompassing uh, become the rise up, the rise up course and the rise up program. Oh, beautiful. I'm so, I'm so grateful that you're, you're doing that comedy. It's, it's fantastic and you're helping others and you're serving us and, you know, personally, I'm, I'm grateful. I'm grateful to be able to, to speak to you and, and to, to hear your knowledge and to be able to, to be learning from you as well. And I'd really just like to encourage everyone who's listening to check out this course because it is so important that we do go within and we give ourselves the opportunity to really listen to our truth. And I, I truly believe that the time is now for us to do that. So, Whenever I'm unable to please someone or do what I think is asked of me, I would begin to feel guilt and shame. Mm. Can you can you take us through how people pleasing can affect us and how guilt and shame affects us? Oh gosh, yes. I'm glad that you brought that up because it is so true. When we think that we've let somebody down or we've made them upset, right? We've ruffled the feathers or we've caused waves, we do feel guilty and we do feel shame. But what happens is when those two feelings are there, that inner critic and that judgment loves to pipe up and say, you should have done this, or you could have done this better, or, you know, you're a terrible person. And those negative thoughts and the, that inner voice, when we, when we speak to ourselves that way, we're just degrading ourselves. And it just, it, it, it spins around and, you know, it just keeps growing exponentially. And it's not to say that, you know, if we, if we let somebody down and we feel bad about it, we should ignore the fact that we feel bad, but it's more a, a practice of recognizing that there is that emotion, allowing it to rise and crest and then letting it go rather than jumping into this judgment mode. And the other thing I want to say about guilt and shame is recognizing that we feel that way and then allowing really bringing it to light, whether it's with our supporting system, whether it be, you know, friends or family that we really trust, whether it be a coach like myself or a therapist or a doctor, speaking about it. When we cover up guilt and shame, it exponentially grows. And it's really very important to process those things and allow them out. Even if it happens to be, you know, what I refer to as brain dumping, where it's, you know, just get it out of your system, pen to paper, allowing an output channel so it's not swirling around in your mind. Because when we don't process it, we don't let it out, it does. It just keeps recycling back around and around. And it gets worse and worse the more you just let it sit in there. Mm, mm, that's very true. I actually read this um, little fun fact the other day. I'm hoping that you can um, confirm it for me or give me a little bit of um, your knowledge on it. Is it true that emotions only last in our body for about 90 seconds before they disperse? If we allow them to. Okay. So that's the key, right? Emotions are supposed to be in motion. They're energy in motion. But what happens when we emotionally suppress and we try to put them in a container, they recycle and we keep having thoughts about them and they keep coming back. But if we allow our emotions to rise and crest, it's like the child having the temper tantrum. If we allow them to just do their thing and don't try to fix it or judge it or get in the way of it, 
they're going to that temper tantrum or that screaming is going to quickly become a whimper and eventually become a laugh, right? Because they're, they're they've been allowed to to have that emotion rise and crest just like a tidal wave. So if we allow ourselves to do that, absolutely, they will be there. It'll be there and then it'll go on. It's when we try to contain it or judge it or fix it that it just keeps recycling over and over and over again. Mm, mm, absolutely. And Carmeny, how does self-compassion play into building resistance? Because for me, when I didn't have the awareness or the tools of how to really understand how much my life would change after I was able to apply these fabulous things, I wasn't aware of what self-compassion could actually do for me. <laughs> yes. And, you know, if people don't really, they, it's, it's so interesting because even when I bring it up now, some people are like, oh, that sounds kind of selfish. It's truthfully, it goes back to that, that concept and that analogy of, you know, the, um, the, um, on, on airplanes, putting on your oxygen mask first. And I often say, you know, fill your cup up first. Self-compassion is so important in terms of um, refilling yourself. So the elements of self-compassion are recognizing that you are a spiritual being having a human experience. So you are doing the best you can with the information you have in front of you. So it's recognizing when something doesn't go the way that you planned or wanted it to go. If you can slow it down and allow yourself to take from whatever experience you just had, what can you take from it and what can you apply moving forward rather getting into judgment, rather getting into, you know, what a terrible decision you made or you shouldn't have done that, but into a place of what can I take and apply moving forward? Secondly, Mm -hmm. It's recognizing that you're not alone. You know, it's this concept of isolation versus common humanity that while nobody can experience the same, same exact reality that you have because our thoughts create our reality, they can have similar experiences and they survived. And so you're not alone. You're not isolated. And it's okay to be vulnerable with your support system and ask for support if you need it. Don't think that you're by yourself. And so the, in terms of self-compassion, it's recognizing you're not by yourself and being able to go seek the support you might need. And then the third element of self-compassion is, is this practice of mindfulness. Now for some, it really does mean, you know, setting aside 20 minutes to meditate. I personally, my monkey mind will take off. I, it's very difficult for me to be quiet for 20 minutes. But what it does mean is allowing myself different times in the course of the day to just get present in the moment, whether it be a quick two-minute breathing technique or just simply getting present with my five senses. This has been my go-to, especially um, recently, has been when everything is kind of running around and, and rushing around me, is to just for a moment just ask myself, what do my five senses you know, feel here, like, what can I touch? What am I smelling? What's the taste in my mouth? Just getting really present with my five senses slows down the mind such that I can then, you know, take a deep breath, like a real deep belly breath, and then figure out my next step forward. And so those three things in combination are this practice of self-compassion. And it is so important to give ourselves that because we're refilling ourselves. And so then we can move forward, you know, because it's very difficult to serve from an empty cup. And so we're not even there to absorb what other people may, may um, request of us if we haven't filled ourselves up. 
so it's it's just this practice of of um, you know refilling, refueling, if you will. <laughs> mm, I love that, and I love it when you also mention to to recognize that you're not alone, because I think it is very common for us to fall into this mindset that we're the only ones feeling what we're feeling because we don't express how or what's really going on within. But the moment that we choose to open up to whether it's you know. A, a friend, a family member, or a coach, or someone that you that you don't have any, you know, instant connection with, we then start to realize, hey, there, you know, there is everyone else out there that's also dealing with stuff, and we're not alone, and we do have one another um, to, you know, to go through these times. Kamini, you've given us so much inspiring and soulful knowledge today. I would like to finish off with three rapid fire questions for you. Are you ready? Okay. I'm ready. (laughs) (laughs) You got this. (laughs) Okay. So question one, what's one thing that we can start doing today to help us feel better about saying no? One thing that we can do today uh, to help us feel better about saying no is get in touch with how we feel and what we need. Because if we can honor those two things, when we say no, we know that we're coming from a place of honoring ourselves, which is so important because, again, filling our cup up first so that we can actually meet the needs of others. Mm-hmm. Okay, question two. How can we be more mindful today? Uh, this goes back to my previous answer, actually. I really do think that in order to be more mindful today, it's getting in touch with um, our five senses at various times during the day. That mm-hmm. inevitably um, gets us to be more present. And that presence creates mindfulness because when we're present in our moment, we can figure out the next best choice for us. It's when we're trying to multitask and we're jumping from thing to thing that we are not making mindful choices, but reactive choices. And we want to be in a generative state and not a reactive state. Mm -hmm. And question three, when it comes to managing people-pleasing, how do you process the wants from people and how do you set yourself up to feel okay with your response? Oh, I really like that question. Uh, (laughs) So when it comes to people pleasing, the thing that I have to do is I always slow down and I get in touch with, um, you know, my core values. And when something is misaligned from my core values, I know for a fact that I'm making a choice to please somebody else. And so it always comes back for me to my core values and my core gifts. And as long as I'm honoring those, I'm coming from a place of ownership rather than doing something for somebody else. Oh, beautiful. Kamini, I have absolutely loved chatting to you today. You are helping so many people and serving so many people around the world. And I want you to know that I am so grateful and I'm sure all of my listeners are grateful too. I want to know, how can I give back to you today? Oh, gosh, this has been so enjoyable. I've loved every single second of this conversation. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Honestly, I just, you know, I welcome my message getting out there. And um, I do think that if we can encourage people to bring these things out of the shadow and into the light, because I hear time and time again that people are afraid 
to seek support or to recognize their weaknesses, like, and not even recognize it, but just talk about it. Like, the more that we can talk about these things and recognize that there is so much strength and vulnerability, we can actually start to make that movement forward and we can grow into the authentic selves that we're meant to be. And truthfully, that's what it is. It's all about being our authentic self because who we are uniquely is the gift of this world. And the more that we try to be carbon copies of one another is just, it, it, it doesn't serve a greater purpose. And so the way that the best way to give to me is to continue to spread this message. Mm, I love that. I'm so grateful for, uh, for you today and for the work that you're doing. Thank you so much for sharing your beaming light with us. And I'm sending you all the love to yourself and your thank family you so at this time. Thank and thank you so much, Carmeny, for being on our show today. Wow. What an amazing woman and so many soulful takeaways from that episode. If you got a lot out of today, please subscribe to my podcast and leave me a five-star review in iTunes or on your podcast app, because then we can continue to inspire and educate people on these very important topics. And it also gives you the chance to win review of the week. So don't forget to send me a screenshot of your review, send it to my Instagram page at the Bold and Brave podcast, and then you'll receive a copy copy of my daily abundant mantra. Also, don't forget to tell me your top key takeaways from this very episode because I would absolutely love to know what they were. All the love, all the power, all the good juju. Thank you for showing up today. Thank you for giving back to yourself today and above anything else, thank you for being you. <laughs>